to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another Express Post from the Women's World Cup. I take so much pleasure in the following sentence. The Matildas are through to the quarterfinals after defeating Denmark 2-0. Woo! It rules. It rules so hard. We cannot wait to talk about it. We also had England and Nigeria in the other round of 16 clash of the day. England won on penalties, so obviously we have to talk about that game as well. But before we do, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. You have a full house for today's Express Post. So that's me, Marissa Lordanic, Anna Harrington, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friends, as we have after every Matilda's match, we need to have a vibe check. So, how is everyone feeling post win? The vibes remain immaculate, guys. And they, they're very mature vibes. They're not like chaotic, excited vibes like after the Canada game. It's not a up yours, cop that, everyone's wrapped back to the wall stuff. It's the Matildas were expected to win. They should have won and they did win. And they, uh, yeah, they were fantastic. They were so professional for initial 15 minute shaky period. Steph Catley goes down, gets some air quotes here, guys, treatment. Everyone's able to settle, regroup. Sorry to the Yanks listening in. I know that's a sensitive topic. You won't be able to do it anymore. Um, but they managed to settle things down. And as soon as that first goal from Caitlin Ford went in, I felt like they were never, ever going to let that match slip. Um, fantastic. What a night. Into the quarterfinals. And they are going into it like high on confidence, believing they can beat anyone, do anything, adapt to any style. And it's just sensational, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, it is. And, th- and for that exact reason, Harry, like I, I was talking to people after that game in the media centre at Stadium Australia, trying to like unwrap the feelings that I was having. And Marissa, you're one of those people. And we were kind of sitting there like, what is this unusual thing that we currently feel? It, it Like this is how people feel when they support a big team. They have this kind of like quiet confidence that in a moment like this, they can get something done. And like long-suffering Matildas fans know that this is a very unusual thing to feel. Like we are always, we have become acclimatized to being like precariously perched on the edge of sanity with this team. You know, that always something can go wrong. There is always this feeling that something, a disaster is lurking just around the corner. But this game, like coming into it, we felt like the favorites. We felt like the big dog. We felt like the team that had had the had the moment in our grasp and and they did they grasped it they did it they they played the game that they that they have were expected to play they they did the thing that we all knew deep in our hearts I think that they could do and that's just like that sentence in itself is kind of amazing to say because it's not it's not something that we're used to as fans of this team so, yeah, like, Harry, you called it mature. Tony Gustafson called it mature after the game as well. And great minds, opening, clearly. Yeah, great minds. Bar, bar that opening sort of 20 minutes where Denmark sprung a surprise and they came out and they attacked and they did all the things that the Matildas tend to do to other teams, when they were able to control themselves better, when they were able to sort of rise to the challenge that that Denmark side was, was um, offering to them, yeah, they just they just like 
like it was amazing. Like they just they just they played like a big team plays. And and to to be able to say that, I think, and to be able to feel that, to feel the sort of serenity of that is like that's what makes this game so special to me. I've never felt this way about the Matildas before. I've never felt like I can say that the Matildas can win this World Cup and say it with such confidence as what I can right now. Proper big dog performance, wasn't it, Sam? Like, that was yeah. what really pleased me. Apologies, listeners, it's background noise here. I say blame Sydney, but as everyone who listens to the pod should know, me and the city of Sydney, we have set our differences aside for the sake of the Tillies. <laughs> Do not try and provoke me into slandering this city. I am working hard enough. This is personal growth. Um, anyway, it was, speaking of personal growth, yeah, Sam, it, it, it's spotted. It, it was mature. It was everything it needed to be, um, the way they stabilised, the way they performed, the way players took it upon themselves to, to go next level. I thought, um, I know, we'll talk about how we came forward in this moment, but I thought Alana Kennedy was just imperious in the air. It felt like any time Denmark went forward, especially when they are trying to lock one ball, she just read it better than anyone. She was nailing it with giving so much praise, deservedly to Claire Hunt, who I thought... Clay Hunt, I thought, did really dance on quite a fine line at times last night in the first half. She steadied a bit after after halftime. I mean, she pulled off all those passes she was making and all those like sort of cagey moments. Um, whether a better opponent might have jumped in or nipped the ball away, yet to be seen. But she's getting away with it so far, so good for her. Um, but I thought Alana Kennedy was, was superb, like the way she read the ball at the end. Just awesome. And, yeah, the maturity. Um, and, you know, we haven't even got to, like, Sam Kerr returned off the bench and all of a sudden this Matilda's team is just looking next level scary. Scary is the word that a lot of players, Caitlin Ford, Emily Van Egmond in particular, use to describe how this team's looking now because they've got this attack that's functioning really well. Mary Fowler with two of the most wonderful balls I've ever seen to help tee up the goals. The one to Caitlin Ford. And um, friend of the pod, Ben Williams, did make a point of this. You have to watch the full clip because you get Ford laying it off to Fowler and she keeps running. Um, knowing that it could come back her way. Yep. And Fowler cuts inside one player onto her right, and there's a really obvious, and my colleague George no- noted this as well, there's a very obvious you know, forward ball, very straightforward, short diagonal to Emily Van Egmont. And Fowler, you can tell, goes, no, I know Caitlin Ford's made a run. She's laid the ball to me and she's kept running. So she cuts inside and like swivels on the ball, gets onto her left and just launches the most wonderful, perfectly weighted, beautiful ball that just cuts out that entire Denmark defence. Um, and Caitlin Ford's her credit, a, a lovely touch and wonderful uh, nutmeg finish. Um, and I love the way she wrapped up her home crowd afterwards with the, the cupping of the ears. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. Uh, I just thought the front four worked really well. Hayley Razzo sort of was in and out of the game but popped up to score. I think that's what we really like about the way she plays. Like, she's never out of the game, if that makes sense. Um Fowler was influential. Um, I thought Cara Cooney-Cross was really influential again. Um, as was Katrina Gorey, though, I think she was a bit loose on the ball at times, Gorey. Like, and I think that's been a, a target for opposition the last couple of teams. They know that Gorey will always be, you know, she, she lives on the edge with the way she passes. That's what makes her such a good and creative player. But I'm trying to pressure her and um, make her cop up the ball. But the way the Matildas consistently recovered and dealt with threats and snuffed them out. Um, there was one chase that Ford did in particular where she must have been knackered from all the attacks she was creating, but she got back and made this terrific slide tackle to, to cut out a Denmark threat. And, yeah, it, it was just so mature from, from top to bottom, I think. And, yeah, when you think this attack works so well, it's so dangerous when it gets running, and then you've got Sam Kirk can come on and straight away um, 
you know, run of the defence, fire a shot. Maybe she should have laid it off to Caitlin Ford and it would have been another goal, but you can excuse a bit of rustiness after three weeks. It just adds a whole nother level, like a whole nother dimension of scariness that this this team can bring. Um, it's, it's like I think they needed that mental hurdle as well. And you could hear it, Sam, when we were in the fix zone, the sort of relief of, oh, my God, people aren't going to ask me about Sam Kerr. Will she play? Can she play? Will she play? Can she play? Because now it's like she's returned and how much she plays from now, it, it isn't up to those players. Like, you, you know, they can't, they can't handle that. So getting that mental lift, I thought, was just so important. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting place to be in. I don't really have that much to add. I don't know. They called it scary football. I would say it's saucy. I was in the middle of a terrible joke. Yeah, saucy football. Um, like Denmark was the sauce, no sauce. Matilda's all sauce. Very good. Um, yeah. I, Sam, you didn't listen to the pod. Don't give me that face. You, you'd understand what I was saying if you'd listened. Tut tut tut. Anyway, um. It's a reference to Manu. He's a celebrity chef. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, very. I, it, it was interesting. We were chatting pre-pod, Marissa and I. Uh, Marissa, you made the point. It's nice to not be stressing about our backline as well, and that was a thing. Like Denmark, obviously had a bit. They had a bit more. I don't know. They had a bit more of the ball. They did have more opportunities, but it just didn't feel like. And Penel Harder, what a player. Just I feel like that always needs. Uh, I hate my internet. Anyway, um, do these ones if I'm. Sorry, I'm asking everyone to do sharkers when my internet cuts out completely. Tell me why a hungry jacks has better internet. Now, I don't know. Anyway, um. Penel Harder, what a player. I just sometimes forget that she's very, very good. But I think it's a point commonly made about Denmark that they don't have too much going on outside of her. And we did kind of see that aside from some opportunities that were easily stifled. Um, And, yeah, our attack was just like I think the creativity uh, was so exciting. But also, yeah, the sturdiness in defence is something to be applauded. and even when there were the, those high risk situations, it's not, yeah, there isn't kind of the the specter of a clangor coming in, you know. And it was interesting pre-game as well. I was like anxious, but also confident, which again is like kind of an unusual um, emotion. I was like, today I feel American. Like it was just a bit odd. I don't know. But um, yeah, really, I think moving forward, also feeling really, really confident about this side. I feel like this, the the team, like the starting 11s that we're seeing and the kind of um, personnel that are being used in this tournament, it's surprising to me. Like I've seen a lot more of Alana Kennedy. I've seen a lot more of Emily Van Egmond than I expected. But at the same time, it's all working and it's all coming together. So it's, yeah, it's what a pleasant position to be in and the atmosphere. Yeah. Just great. It's beautiful to see, you know, Sam Kerr absolutely um, come on with just a terrible touch. You know, we've all been there. That's going to be me on Wednesday at futsal. Just, just no control, but it happens. It happens to the greats, doesn't it? So yeah. And I'm excited. I hope 
even though, yeah, obviously the pressure's off, she's back, she's gotten back on the pitch. Um, yeah, hopefully that does free also like emotion, I guess psychologically for them to just utilize her how they want to utilize her as well. Um, obviously her body willing, calf willing as well. I think that like Sam Kerr is a, a really interesting element of the story of last night because like in the stadium, any time that she came up on the screen, the whole crowd like swelled with excitement. It was so interesting. No, it wasn't just the camera, but particularly when she got up for the first time off the bench and went behind the goal to warm up, there were floods of fans running down the aisles, barrack like getting up against the 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 barriers around the, the field just to get close to her, just to get like whipping their phones out, taking photos and videos, waving signs and and dirt. Like she was her own little sort of roadshow down there. It was extraordinary. And like when when she finally came on in the seventy whatever role it was, you know, I can't even remember now. It, it's the the sound in the stadium was unbelievable. It was like they had scored another goal, and they kind of have in in a way. Like the fact that she's back, as Harrow said before, is like one of the most luxurious sentences I think that you can say in football. Is we have Sam Kerr fit and ready on the bench. Like imagine having the squad depth to be able to say that again, another just incredible sentence from a Matilda's perspective. And for those of us who followed this team for so long, all of a sudden we have this player who we can bring off as an extra weapon and arguably the biggest ever weapon that the game has ever seen. And, but I think the thing that really struck me about Sam Kerr last night was that, you know, when she came on, she didn't really do much. And and she she didn't need to. And that's the thing. Like her involvement in the game was kind of a footnote to everything else that had already happened. It was just like a little, uh, Tony described it as sort of the cream on the cake, like the cherry on top, the, you know, the little extra bit of something. But that is, I think, what this Matildas team has done over the, the past four games is that they have realized within themselves that they are not Sam Kerr. And they've always talked about not being her. They've always talked about how, you know, they're, they're always a team and Sam Kerr has always talked about being part of the team and she's just another team member. Blah, blah. But, like, from no, that's not true. From the outside, this entire World Cup, this entire Matilda side has been about this one player. And when she went down in the, the, the day before the Republic of Ireland game, that opener, like the shockwaves that it sent around the world, not just around Australia, but around the world, I think was a real testament to the kind of status that she holds and how this team has been really shaped in her image. And so for the Matildas, it's been so interesting watching them having to grapple with her absence over the course of the tournament that they had been building towards with her as the as the tip of the spear. And I think what this Denmark game was, and Canada was was the start of it too, was the the realization that they are actually a team without her. They can be the Matildas on their own without the player that has come to define them over the last couple of years. And that in itself, I think, is the scariest thing going forward for other teams. 
because like when I wasn't obviously in any of these uh, these team camps, but when the news sort of filtered out that Sam Kerr would be out for a couple of games, I absolutely guarantee you there was a collective sigh of relief among lots of other national teams because coming into this tournament, she is one of the big players. She is one of the players who defenders have nightmares about as Tony said after the Republic of Ireland game she is a player that that teams have a game plan for right like she's so so super massive but that she she has her own sort of um like galaxy of 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 concepts and and tactics and stuff just around her so imagine how now teams must be feeling seeing the way that the Matildas have performed so far without her and now knowing that she's coming back. I would be quaking in my little booties, I'll tell you that much. Little booties. I love that. Um, but Sam, I think you're spot on there. Um, I love the way Sam Kerr talked about it. She said last night in the big side, I know they can do it without me. They've played plenty of games this year with it. Uh, last year without me when they smashed it when they played South Africa. They've been doing so well. I knew they could do it without me, but it's amazing to sit back and watch just how much all these players that I grew up with have grown into their own and their own, and they're all superstars in their own making. And they absolutely adjusted. I, I love the way they adjusted eventually to not having Sam Kerr was to actually like change things up. It's more false nines rather than a striker and a, a ten slash nine. They've identified the players they got, and I think Nigeria game is an anomaly because they would have started Mary Fowler had she not been concussed. So it's a bit harder to read into that um it's it's been a, a master stroke to be honest to say okay so caitlin ford has the best chemistry with sam kerr but the second best chemistry she has is with steph catley um and to identify that and to make the most of that is has just been fantastic mary fowler and emily van egmont have developed a terrific understanding in the center of the park i think i think emily van egmont deserves a lot of credit because she is like a much maligned player especially amongst i guess uh Football intellectuals who love to um, really, really uh, downplay what sort of player she is. And to be honest, when she has played in the six, that doesn't suit her. We all know that doesn't suit her. She's much better in an attacking role. And I think her maturity and her attitude to take on that role, and she was fantastic in the pre-match presser against Canada where she really took it head on and said, we know what's at stake, we'll take it on. And she didn't give anything away. She's very good, very smart person, a very smart footballer. Um, and I think it's settled into that role with the mom. And she knows that I'm sure that if Sam Kerr is at the point where she can start, she will probably be the one to drop out, right? Unless they decide that Fowler off the bench is a better option. But the way Mary Fowler is playing right now, it's very hard to make that decision, right? Um, and I think she's handled it so maturely. But yeah, I love the way that they, they've approached it. They've, they've reshuffled things, they've changed things around. They've made it so rather than maybe in the first couple of games, it felt like Caitlin Ford had to play the Sam Kerr role. Now it's like, how can we best, or sorry, get the best out of the players we have rather than trying to make, yes, this system worked terrifically with Sam Kerr, but it's not necessarily working right now. How can we make things work now? And, geez, I felt poor Yanni Thompson last night because Caitlin Ford had her on toast. Like, she just had no chance. Like, she was absolutely slaughtered, the poor girl. Um, and they were fantastic. But, but Mary, I've I, I got to talk about Mary Fowler because she is the youngest player in this squad. But the way she played last night, um, and I could say the same about Kyra Cooney-Cross as well, like, beyond their years. Um, I already talked about how sublime that ball was, but I think the one for the second goal almost gets underrated because the first one was so good. Um, the build-up with Cooney Cross getting the ball back, and then she could have easily shot, but the little dink 
to Emily Van Eglon, who has that lovely touch and the awareness. And I, I love when players make it look like time sort of stops around them. That's kind of felt a little bit like that with Van Eglon, albeit she's tall and linking like, oh, is she going to lose control of the ball? She was never going to lose control of the ball. She gets it back to Razzo, who makes no mistake with the finish, despite falling on her ass as she did it. Um, it was um, just wonderful. And Fowler, she's getting better and better at dealing with the physical attention. I think in the first couple of the first game in particular, like Ireland obviously was so physical, teams really hard. But she's, you know, she's small, not smaller, but she's younger, she's lighter, she's still growing into her body. But the way she's just got better and better, and I think this is the same with Cooney Cross in tight spaces. The way they've managed to shrug off attention, like no one is going to be as good as Caitlin Ford yet because she's the master of shrugging off physical contact. But the way both of those players have found space in really tight spots to be able to turn, to be able to make those little passes, to make things look easy is just been so 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 good to watch um and it's, it's really exciting and yeah for me that felt like the moment for, for Fowler I think George was running the stats that might have been her first assist for the Matildas which is kind of crazy when you think about it she's been involved in goals but um maybe not necessarily the, the decisive ball but that was yeah obviously fantastic for um for Mary Fowler and yeah she she just feels like she's going to go from strength to strength and I think last night made you go we always have these conversations, where will her best football be? And I know she's talked about she loves playing the 10. She loves to be that sort of floating, creative player. We know off the field, she's a very artistic person. She loves to draw. She loves photography. She loves to sort of mould things to her own image. And she did that to an extent with the game last night. The way she found space in really difficult moments was um, was really exciting. Ooh, some mates in the background here for those watching on. Um, but... Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. And, yeah, it's it, it's a really exciting position to be in. And as you said, Sam, it's not just that they've learned to play without Sam Kerr. They've, they've grown without it. They've developed that sort of identity. And now they can bring her in off the bench. And I know she didn't do much, but she straight up, like within about five minutes, she went on that one of those bursting runs and got a shot away. And you just go, if you're an opposition team, you would just be, yeah, as you say, Sam, uh, trembling in your booties, like not having a good time, knowing that there's all this stuff getting thrown at you and all of a sudden Sam Kerr can come on as well. And we've talked about it before. Matilda's such a good team in transition that if they get one goal up and you've got to chase the game against them and you turn the ball over, it gets real scary real quick. And that's without maybe Catley and Carpenter playing such attacking roles as they have in the past. I know Catley's been doing a bit of it, but Ellie's been far more conservative these past two games. And I feel like that's partly deliberate because of so much use of um, Caitlin Ford. But if she can get away here and there, it's going to be a really exciting position to be in. Um, also, really nice to see Tamia Yellow come on at the end there. I think just getting more bodies back. That's one thing Steph Catley said last night was normally when they've been at this position or around this position at a World Cup, you know, players are sort of dropping like flies. You're getting injuries. Players are getting tired. Whereas they feel like they're getting numbers back. And that's a really exciting position to be in. Do we have anything else that we would like to talk about? I mean, we can talk about this game forever. We well, absolutely like, can. You know, like I'm like, we can either stop now and just sort of let everyone else just sort of you know dwell in the in the in the aura of this feeling or we can come like continue to talk about it. I mean I like that Mary Fowler pass that Harry mentioned was like astonishing it was it was one of the best passes of the whole tournament for me it reminded me of um of the 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 pass from Kira Walsh uh in the the final of the Euros against Germany 
what that you know the one yeah you're nodding like that it was just one of those just like game shaping decisions and for it to happen from a player like Mary who has gone through everything that she's gone through to come back having not played very much club football having come back from a bit of an injury as well coming into this tournament to to all of a sudden having found herself in this side having found exactly what she has always talked about wanting to be like that pass I think completely like captured all of that it was exactly the kind of thing that she's good at it was it was a move that it it was it was in it was decisive it was uh it was it was so in keeping with the kind of like um the like the heavy metal like high octane spirit of the of the football that Tony Gustafson has wanted them to play and the fact that she was able to dink it with both feet as well and send that pass on her left you know Sam Kerr's talked about Fowler being the 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 best finisher of the Matildas but she's also one of the best passes because she's got two of the most extraordinary feet in the whole team so then to have the vision to look up to look through five Denmark players and to see exactly the channel that Caitlin Ford was going to be arriving in and and just like threading the ball right to where she was and weight it in such a way that all Caitlin Ford had to do was touch it once into the box and then shoot like it I'm, it blows my little mind like how I, and she's so it's just yeah it's, she's it's 20. crazy she's 20 Sam she's, she's 20 years old like I was eating crayons when I was 20 years old you know what was you know like she's going around doing this and the thing that it's so exciting to me is that like her you mentioned Kyra Cooney Cross as well like these these players are only just starting you know what I mean and this is what's so thrilling about this moment for the Matildas is they they seem to have really come through quite a battle over the last five or so years they they've really had to grapple I think with the inevitability of this senior crop of this senior core of players moving on at some point. And they the subtext of Tony's time with this team has been that he has needed to try and um, like basically brace for impact. He's needed to, to, to soften the fall when these, these bigger players do pick up and go. And so you know, he's talked about depth. He's talked about uh, bringing in all these new players. He's talked about blah, 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 but like, this is it. This is the this is the result of the, of all of that work. This is the result of it. And what was so, I think, um, lovely was that this Denmark game, like Denmark, have been an interesting sort of barometer for the the journey that the Matildas have been on. They were the third team that the Matildas played under Tony after they lost to Germany and the Netherlands, and they were a disaster. Like they they lost that game three one. Um, with I think it was two own goals from the Matildas, including Mackenzie Arnold slapping the ball into her own net. Um, and but that was one of the first times that we saw Kyra. It's one of the first times that we sort of saw Mary. So you know we started to sort of see these players drip fed into the team around this time. Then the second time that we played them, which was about ten months ago, uh, it, it it started to look like the team that they've come to be. You know they won that game. Uh, I think it was uh, three three one. Or maybe I'm getting my scores mixed up. I think the first one was a three two loss, and this one was a three two win, a three one win. Um, and uh, like Mackenzie Arnold had a you know a, a ripper game. You had I think Kara Kunikross played alongside Katrina Gorey in that kind of like double pivot role for the first time. Uh, you know you you started to sort of see the the bones of all of this being laid down, and then the the, the game last night 
against Denmark again was like the the the, the sort of the the Pokemon evolution and end of that, you know, like it, that this was the this was the dominant bit. This was the the end point. This is what happens after you go through all of those stages. Um, so yeah, it was just it it was just amazing. I could talk about this game forever. I'm like, and but what's also very interesting, I think, is like the before the tournament, a lot of people had said that reaching the quarterfinals was the was the expectation. Like this was sort of the standard. If they'd gone out any earlier, um, it would have been deemed a failure. But I think that conversation has changed in tone a little bit because we've seen how many big teams have gone out before the quarterfinal stage as well. And, you know, the fact that they've made the quarters, yeah, on the one hand, it was, it was sort of the minimum expectation. But on the other hand, considering the context of everything else that's happened and considering everything that Matildas have had to go through in order to even get to this point, it kind of feels like a win in another kind of, in another way, you know? So like anything from here on in is basically a bonus for me. I don't really care. Well, so we touched on that, but this is just at the start, such a mature performance. They didn't have, I love Emily Van Evelyn said, we're not a one trick team. Um, and a couple of players and Tony was with some base because said, yeah, it's tournament football. You have to play the games that are in front of you. And you could tell there's this pride in the way they all handled this occasion. Like they made it theirs entirely. That's what I really loved about it. Like they were the favourites and they handled it. And we talked about it, Sam. I know, I think we'd both written about it. They had to prove that they could do this without the underdog tag. The good thing with tournament football is it is always do or die and backs to the wall. But they didn't play like the team with their backs to the wall. They played like a team that was on the attack yes, and that they deserved exactly. it. By that shaky first 15 minutes, I think Penilla Harder could have easily scored at least one, if not a couple of goals. But after they resettled from that, as I said, after the first goal especially, they never looked like they were going to lose. So also, they I don't know if it was necessarily unexpected the way Denmark came out. I think Denmark would have wanted to come out and make them feel the heat earlier. I think they wanted, would have wanted to try and get Australia on the hop, silence the home crowd, just you know, shut up that massive stadium and really get things on their terms and put the Matildas under the cosh, under pressure, and just keep on ramping up that pressure. That's so for them to withstand that early little hailstorm. And Mackenzie Arnold played a role there as well, like very calm with those. That said, Mackenzie Arnold needs to settle down on the time wasting because I do not need her to get a second yellow card for time oh, wasting no, necessarily. I agree. Um, but otherwise, oh no, really- I agree. And had one little fumble in the second half that she managed to clean up. But don't need Mackenzie Arnold picking up a yellow card for time-wasting any time before about the 95th minute in a really tight game, I reckon. Um, anyway, uh, they, the way they weathered that early storm and then were really professional from then on, I think, is a, a real credit to them. And I think should give them the confidence they can go on and take on any opponent. The draw's opening up. We've had the US crash out. We've had Brazil, Germany obviously beat Canada, crash out. Nigeria are gone. It's a tough fate for teams that beat the Tillies, apparently. Um, and it's, yeah, but things are opening up and they have to have every belief they can go on and, and do something special and do it in different ways. Um, I would like to see, yeah, he's cleaning up a few of the little turnovers in midfield. I think a, a really good team like this, the way Nigeria pounced on that. And we saw that with, um, I think, Katrina Gorey, as I said, has been targeted a couple of times. We know the work rate she has. We know how she buzzes around. And to be fair, if she does turn it over, she works twice as hard to go and recover the ball. But I think just as the tournament goes on, they'll they'll want to clean up a few of these things. And yeah, I think they just feel in a fantastic position to go on and really, really do something special. And yeah, I feel 
as you said, Sam, more confident or even more confident they can do that after the way they performed last night. It was the professional performance they need to have. People are dragging chairs behind me. That's a bit rude. I'm trying to talk about the Tillies. Um, but, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And I'm really excited, whether it's France or Morocco, to, to see how this stacks up. No bad vibes towards Brisbane for the sake of the Tillies, Brisbane. I will move my Sydney vibes over to you. I simply can't wait to go back to Brisbane. I'm so excited. I know that sounded sarcastic, but I mean it. Very excited to go back to Brizzy. Um, the one thing I just wanted to mention, I know we have spoken about it a little bit, but just the atmosphere. I did not think that anything would kind of top the opening game because of the occasion of the opening game. And yet this game was bigger. This game was louder. Yeah. This game was just everything. Um, I think the Sydney crowd heeded Caitlin Ford's call to get louder. Right I feel up. like they did. And I, the thing that I love the most, and I know this has been a topic of conversation online and I think a little bit even on the pod, um, is about, you know, chanting and creating atmosphere. Sometimes it really was just people started clapping. But when you had 75,000 people kind of like build up a clap, it ruled like you felt it and it was like a, a nice vindication of like it chance complicated chance funny chance witty chance awesome but there is something to be said for simply just getting everyone involved in the most basic way to create an atmosphere so i cannot give the sydney crowd enough credit for what they did and the way they made this atmosphere um, just so enjoyable to be at. And I think the other thing is related to the atmosphere, um, rather than the 75,000 people maybe overawing the Tillies, like I feel like from the get-go they were like, no, this is 75,000 people behind us. Where in the opening game I reckon there was an adjustment period to like, oh, there's 75,000 people here, that's terrifying. Oh, they're going for us, that's cool. There was no adjustment period in this game. It was just like complete fuel for the entire 90 minutes. And I hope that that keeps them in good stead, you know, returning to Brisbane for a crowd of 50,000 and then ideally, God willing, some more trips back to Stadium Australia. But, yeah, I just I wanted to waffle on about the crowd because I just thought they were so good and they made that experience so enjoyable like make it a little bit about me now sitting in the media tribune listening to that feeling that it was indescribable I absolutely loved it so good on you Sydney yeah absolutely heated Caitlin Ford's uh cried arms I reckon like just called her arms just, she said Melbourne was top notch and I need Sydney to bring that she's a local She's calling it because I agree. I felt the first game, there was big numbers there. And there was a lot of like, yeah, yeah, great, Matildas, it's good. Um, but this game was like a little bit feral. I've talked about this. I want the crowd to be a little bit feral. There was booing when things didn't go our way. It wasn't like quite Melbourne feral, but that's okay. It was exceptional in its own right. We are our own special breed of feral. Um, but it was it was great. It was parochial. It was loud. I loved the way that even when it was just simple stuff like um, the clapping and chanting, Again, it reinforces and our, our friends at Matilda's Actives, keep up the good work, keep it simple. 
keep it simple. The simple chants resonate. People that don't go to Matilda's games very often can pick up on them. Um, and it, you can tell when they kept it simple, it worked really well. I love the creativity of some chants, but you've got to nail down stuff that everyone can get behind. And I thought for the majority of the match, that was the case. Um, yeah, the crowd was awesome. And the roar when Caitlin Ford scored that goal was just awesome. Like next level loud. That was that was sick. Like that was a proper rule. That was. Like, I've never heard. I've never heard a noise like that in a women's football game before in my whole life. And, and the way she uh, cupped her ears to the crowd was awesome. Like great yeah. celebration. Um, uh, fantastic. Some fantastic photos of this as well. Um, my colleague Dan Hembrex at AAP has one that's on a few uh, front pages today. That of Caitlin Ford with this crowd. It's it's incredible. Like, and I love the way that um, she stood up for them. She's just got better and better and better and better and. The way she moves with the ball at her feet, it's like pretty magical, I reckon. The way she can control the ball and skip and dance and do all that while shrugging off opponents, um, she's getting better from game to game. I think she deserves so much credit because she had to play such a selfless role, particularly in the first two games, and now has been shifted wide and everything is going through her and she is just on another planet right now. Um, she's fantastic. Um, and she keeps us up. I think it would be her, Catley and Hunt will all have to be in the conversation for the team of the tournament, the way they're all playing. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but, yeah. Just fantastic. The crowd deserves full credit. We need Brisbane to bring that again. This team clearly plays well when it's the crowd is fucking going, right? Like, sorry, Mickey Mouse, I held it in for a while. Um, but, like, that sort of surge and that sort of momentum and that sort of power and force behind them, it, it's just next level. And as you said, Sam, every time Sam Kerr did anything, the joint just lost its head. When she started, I think it took a while for them to notice that she started warming up on the end of the pitch. Like, because obviously it was behind the play and, you know, she's doing the run-throughs. And she had to do quite a long warm-up because obviously she didn't do half-time or the start of the game warm-up. She was doing her own thing. But once she, I think when she pulled the the undershirt off and got the, the jersey on, people were like, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. And then when she was on the bench, um, they were loving it. And, yeah, when she came on, yeah. That was probably the second loudest roar of the night, maybe. I think it was maybe louder than the roar for the second goal. Um, but yeah, which she must have been feeling on cloud nine after that. And I think she deserves it because we've talked about this should have, should have by all rights been her tournament. She's the face of the tournament. She's the big name player. We've talked about how they've adjusted without her, but she deserved her moment in the sun. You still feel like she can do something special as well. The way she came on, she yeah didn't look fully in, you know, full Nick as you expect after three weeks out, but you just feel like she can still terrify and maybe do something really special and, that's just such an exciting position to be in. Yeah. This tournament just feels so wide open and it's just the best opportunity. And also, um, TV-wise, we've heard some uh, AFL media this week maybe suggest that the Matildas weren't having the cut through when we didn't get to know the players. Um, yeah, so it was Channel 7's number one program of 2023. Um, so, sorry, I'll just, I'll just pull up the stats quickly because... You know, they're, they're incredible. Uh, it reached 6.54 million viewers with an average audience of 3.56 million people. Channel 7's biggest for the year. So that includes all your, your AFL, your news, your TV shows, your whatever. They are the biggest deal. And that doesn't even include the Optus numbers or people who are finding very dodgy ways to watch this, I'm sure, that don't have a TV aerial. Um, good luck to you guys. Um, but, yeah it's just cutting through like in a way like no other like in sydney today like 
at the cafe where I was grabbing some brekkie or in the Uber or whatever. It's all anyone wants to talk about. And it's just next level. It probably helped that I have had my accreditation on like a massive nerd. Um, but like, it's all people want to talk about. People are buzzing and you just feel like it's going next level and it's just going to drag the rest of the tournament along for the riders it has. So what a time to be alive, guys. Harris still with us, by the way, if you heard that big <laughs> clatter at the end there. She's okay. <laughs> I promise I'm still here. This cafe is very hectic. I won't slag Sydney, but I might slag off this joint. I loved What a Time to Be Alive and then, like, that was <laughs> excellent timing. Sorry for attacking the mic. It's me dropping the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we will obviously talk about the quarterfinal that the Matildas are playing in, the Matildas quarterfinal, the quarterfinal that they are going to play in later, once we actually know their opponent, and that will be either France or Morocco. We should briefly touch on the other round of 16 game that happened yesterday, which, like I said, was England versus Nigeria. England obviously got through on penalties. It was a weird game. My personal favourite memory of this game is uh, being in the car with Sam and her partner having the phone up and we were watching it and her partner's trying to describe the plays to Sam while Sam's driving and the descriptions went from, oh, Nigeria's... Oh, oh! And that was it. That was all. That was the level of commentary we I don't, got. I don't so... think commentary is going is gonna to be an either of them. No, no, no. Um, but that, that was my personal favourite... <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that being my viewing of the first half, but do we have any takes on this game? Obviously we need to talk about Lauren James, but on the game as a whole, the result as a whole, any takes? Oh my God, England, what are you doing? Like Nigeria is so unlucky to be out yeah. of this tournament. Um, yeah. There's two games that have gone to pens and both times the better team has crashed out on the day. Yep. Uh, obviously the US was the other example. Um, but... Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. England just lacked imagination. They lacked creativity. They were getting done by Nigeria. Nigeria really should have won this, especially after Lauren James goes off. Um, Randy Waldron just underlined his coaching credentials. I think he's done a magnificent job with that team, whether that continues. I mean, you've got to have your doubts given the, the toing and froing that has obviously happened between him and that federation. I devastated. They deserve better than a round of 16 exit for uh, Nigeria. Um, they took it up to them, but they, they really did well in the penalty shootout, to be honest. Like, they didn't handle that at all. Um, they looked very nervous. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, as soon as it went to pens, I think most of us felt in like the media centre were like, yeah, because England have been there before. Like, hey, Sam, like, and let's, let's note, we were like, people were watching it inside the media centre where you get the world feed, which is obviously live, and we were like, we want to get out and feel the atmosphere in the Tilda's game, get ready for them to warm up. So we had my phone, as people are trying to log into my Optus account, watching the family shootout, like just propped up, and we're like, oh. and poor Sam's having to deal with me being like, she takes a deep breath before I pen. I think she's nailing it. <laughs> and to Sam's credit, she was she was handling my uh, my commentary very very well. <laughs> yeah, look, as, as soon as it went to penalties, I thought that England were going to win. But I'm I'm so devastated for Nigeria because. Yeah, this 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 tournament, you know, aside from the sort of the, the the story of the Matildas, is the story of the underdogs, and I think Nigeria really embody a lot of the vibes that a lot of the other teams have had in that sense. 
you know, they've come through such difficult circumstances to get through their group, to defeat the host nation in that group uh, and to, to make it all the way to the round of 16 and to do it playing the way that they played as well um, with with all of the just the, the garbage that they've had to 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 grapple with behind the scenes, the the cancelled camps, the tensions with the Federation, the lack of pay, all this stuff, for them to come out and to push England all the way to penalties was was pretty amazing. And, you know, they they could have scored. They had those two amazing opportunities in the first half. England, as you said, Harry, didn't really look like much. They 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 looked sort of out of puff a little bit. They looked like they 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 didn't know what their plan B was when plan A didn't work. Uh, and I was talking to a journalist from the BBC after the game who said that one of England's biggest issues is that they still really haven't found a replacement for Ellen White. They haven't found their number nine. They haven't found that striker who they can rely on and who they can build their attack around. It blows so, my mind it's not Beth England. Like, yeah. uh, I just, when I think, not necessarily like for like, but in terms of someone who could be a target woman and do classic striker things, I'm like, Beth England. Yeah, our Rachel Daly's been in great form as well, but they're obviously using her as a wing back. And yeah, she took was good though. Both of those players were fucking awesome. Yeah, um, they were. Chloe Kelly one was pretty sick as well. Um, Georgia Stanways is still coupling off somewhere into Central Stadium. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I think they got to look at England or Daly to lead their line because Rousseau is clearly not working, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, so we did see the return of Kira Walsh as well, which is which is great news for just anyone who loves football. Uh, though she didn't really add very much, maybe that's just because of the nature of the game. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting one, I think, for England. It was one of those ones where, like a lot of the other big nations in this tournament, they've sort of had to realize quite quickly that they're not just going to skate through this. And that you know they probably knew that in some sense already, but. It's quite another thing to feel it on the field against a team that, again, you're the favourite to to sweep past, but you're finding that it's actually a much harder challenge than what you anticipated. So RIP to Nigeria. Um, I hope their federation fucking wakes up and gives this team a serious chance because, as I, I wrote earlier last week, when, after, after they beat Australia, Randy Waldron was asked about how he, like, how, how this team has basically done what they've done in in the in the context that they've come from and he used that opportunity to talk about not just Nigeria but all of Africa and about how if these federations really invested in these teams they have the talent they have the potential it's just the stuff around them that's lacking and can you imagine i was talking to a friend of the pod Ana Dong about this even can you imagine what the the global landscape of football looked like if all resources were equal can you imagine how things would look if Africa, if South America, if Asia had all of the advantages that Europe and North America have had? Like we're already starting to see the the, the consequences of just a little bit more investment across these continents and across the Caribbean as well with Jamaica. You know, we, we're just we're starting to see what happens when federations just start to give just a little bit more of a shit. You know, we have a tournament like this. Can you imagine if they actually cared more? Exactly. Can you can you imagine if they really started to care more? And I think one of the most interesting stories in women's football over the next 10 years is going to be Morocco. I, I know that they might not win against France uh, today, but 
what they have done behind the scenes in their in their women's football space has been pretty extraordinary. It's 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 continent leading in terms of African football. And I'm really excited to see what happens for the next. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, well done to Nigeria. I, I hope that you use the opportunity of your successes to blast your federation because they deserve it and you deserve more. Well said, Sam. Just got to touch on the most extraordinary thing that we've seen at this World Cup. Lauren James, as I said, it's already a brain snap for the ages. It's already been compared to David Beckham, obviously. Um, just clearly was frustrated, well held throughout by Nigeria. They defended her so well after her former early days. And, yeah, bizarre moment of, I guess it was frustration. She just full-on stepped on Michelle Alozi. And after VAR referral, she was obviously given a straight red. She'll miss at least one game. She's waiting, as we record, she'll be waiting on the length of that suspension, right, to be determined. It could be up to three games, like, for... Um, yeah, for, for, I guess serious foul play or misconduct, violent conduct, sorry, for violent conduct. She just full-on stepped on her. Like, it's absolutely extraordinary. Like, one of the biggest brain snaps you'll ever see. She's clearly devastated. Um, uh, her, you imagine her teammates and Serena Vigman was pretty quick in saying it, how out of character it was and how, I guess, sort of strange it was. Like, and you, you sense they'll get around her, but it could be tournament over for her. Like, if, if, she's, if the book gets thrown at her, which... I mean, they'd have a right to throw the ball at her. Like, it's not even like a little, like, questionable, did she nick someone with the stuff? She's full on set on this girl. It was just, I think everyone watching that was just like, what have we just witnessed? Um, and yeah, I, I was actually saying this to someone earlier. I think almost the best thing they could do, the FA, is use all the ties you got. Get, get David Beckham on the phone to Lauren James to say, this isn't going to define you as a player. Like, people will remember this moment because you can't erase these sorts of moments. People will, will always remember that you stepped on someone or that you, you know, did something stupid like that. Um, what was it? Um, with Beckham, the, the newspaper headline was, like, 10 lines and one stupid boy. It was something like that, and he had to deal with that. And Lauren James will have to deal with the fallout. You hope, you hope it doesn't get, like, awful or um, derogatory or anything like that. Like, she doesn't deserve anything like that. She you know, has made a mistake and we'll have to deal with that. Um, uh, fortunately for her, England didn't go out as a result from going down to 10 players. Um, but, yeah, it could easily be, be tournament over. But as I said, I hope they get a, a David Beckham someone on the phone say, this isn't going to define you. Like, this is a mistake. You can learn from it. You can move forward and you can still, you know, as she's, she seems destined to go on and have a tremendous career and be a fantastic player. But, geez, it's such a crucial brain snap. And they're going to be without her, as I said, for at least one game. And given she has sort of this game where she was so well held been like a, a creative fulcrum for England and so much good stuff has come through her it's a, a huge out for them no no nothing excellent no one um, else would have thought on the most crazy moment of the world cup today <laughs> I mean, you, you said it, you wrapped it up pretty well there, Harry. Like it's, it, it's, it's pretty. <sighs> What's what I'm really worried about is that this moment is going to be a repetition of what we saw after uh, the. Oh, the penalty shootout. 
Yes, Europe. exactly. England are the Saka men's heroes. And Rashford, and Rashford. And I mean, just the absolute sludge of racism that they caught yeah. as young players who crumbled in a big moment, who made a bad decision. I'm really worried that Lauren James is going to suffer the same fate. She's a woman of color. She's obviously uh, still very young. She's got an, uh, she, like she plays with a bit of sort of swagger and attitude, which folds into I think stereotypes around black people as well that people tend to kind of get their claws into in a moment like this. Uh, so I, I really hope that the 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 lionesses, I really hope the federation, I really hope her family, her friends, um, really sort of. Um, uh, gather around her and you know delete all the apps off her phone like don't let her look at the headlines just in, insulate her from this she knows that she did the wrong thing you saw as soon as she walked off the field with when the announcement came across the the um the stadium that she'd received a red she she knew exactly what she'd done she doesn't need to have to cop the bigger bullshit that comes with a moment like this for black athletes um so yeah, so that's that's devastating. And and what's what's sad, I guess, on a personal level is that, you know, this will be the moment that people I think remember Lauren James for when what they should be remembering is how she performed against China or how she performed against, you know, any of the really any of the other teams that they've played because she's she's been England's standout player. She's been their crucial player in in so many ways. You know, that that goal against Denmark, for example. Um yeah, so it's 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 just crap. Like, but I, I hope that she is able to overcome it. And again, she's a young player. Um, she has so much talent. She has so many good people around her. If she's able to keep that good head on her shoulders, and she's able to see this moment for what it is, and we've seen these moments before, right? Like Alicia Ferguson, for example, when she was young, she got the fastest ever red card in the history of Women's World Cup when she was just seventeen. And yet she was able to overcome that and have a, a really long and, and, and fruitful Matilda's career. So, yeah, I don't think this will define her. I just hope that it doesn't define her for other people. Much like after the American game, please don't be a racist. <laughs> please don't be a sexist. I hate that, like, we need to say it, but just don't don't be a, like, don't, don't be a dickhead. Um is my only thought. Is there any final things we would like to talk about after this very chunky non-express post? <laughs> Excellent. Um, like I said, we will obviously talk more about the Matildas quarterfinal once we actually know who the team is playing. And obviously we will find that out later today. We are recording on a Tuesday. We have Colombia, Jamaica to look forward to, which should just be a fun match. And then obviously France, Morocco after that, which we will be watching very, very closely. But that's us done for today. As always, thank you for tuning in. We're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. Remember, you can read Sam's stuff on ABC and Harrow's stuff on AAP as well. If you like what we're doing, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. So your Spotify's, your Apple's, your Google's, all of them. Make sure you subscribe so you get the these episodes directly into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go chillies and see you.